Listening to the Coffee Hour, I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. We have another topic to share with you today that I think would be quite useful. And so we're going to chat mm-hmm. with the Reverend Dr. Rick Mars in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin, for your support of the Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. Richard Mars, Professor of Practical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Dr. Mars, welcome back to the Coffee Hour. It's very good to be with you both. Thank you for having me. Thank you for making time for us, especially during May. May is Mm -hmm. Mental Health Awareness Month, and we've been, in addition to our Mental Health Monday, sharing additional topics this month for Mental Health Awareness Month. And you have done research and written some really helpful insights on helping therapists understand Christian counseling and particularly Lutheran theology and worldview. So that's what we're going to zero in on today. Before we even get to that Lutheran worldview and Lutheran theology, from your perspective, how are professional therapists equipped to care for clients and with respect to their religious beliefs? Yeah, it's a really good opening question and one that needs to be taken very seriously because it varies a lot from, I think, school to school, graduate program to graduate program, and just individual to individual. There are a lot of, well, obviously, Christian counselors, psychologists, therapists who will respect other people's religious views if they're from a different denomination or even from a different different faith. They understand how important it is to respect those religious beliefs. And I would say a large number, I don't know if it's half or more, but a large number of secular therapists will also respect people's religious beliefs, even if they don't hold to them themselves. But to be honest, there's a lot of people in the secular field of counseling and psychology that uh, see Christianity as being negative to mental health. I remember when I was in my one of my very first graduate school courses back in the early 1980s, we were required to read an article written by a previous president of the American Psych- Psychological Association that equated Christian beliefs with mental illness. And it was just kind of mind-boggling to me as a young man then to think, wow, I knew that Freud and Skinner and many of the other early psychologists, psychiatrists were were atheists, but I didn't think that it would seep over into the field. But here I was in my very first graduate course, 1981, I think, and I was being required to read an article that equated Christian beliefs with, with mental illness written by a an important leader at that time in the in the field. So so not everybody in the secular field of, of counseling does. Again, I've run across lots of people. I've had some very good supervisors that were very respectful of clients' religious beliefs, but I've also run across some others who entered the field of counseling, well, partly because they, they wanted to be a leader in in the field of helping people, but also in a in a new kind of age of, I want to say, priesthood. In some ways, clinical psychologists and psychiatrists and counselors have become the secular priesthood of our culture because people used to go to their priests for advice on how to get through life's issues. Now then, very few people, well, I say that, 
Many people go to their pastor or their Catholic priest for, for guidance, but much fewer than what would have happened in previous previous centuries. Now then they go to the secular priesthood, so to speak, which is the, the field of counseling. And I say that both with good good positive ways of thinking about it, but also some some detrimental ways of thinking about it as as Christians. So so yeah, if Christians go to see a mental health counselor, they want to ask some pretty straightforward questions right on about, you know, hey, I'm I'm a sincere Christian. My Christian beliefs are very important to me. Tell me how you view the Christian faith. You know, ask them, are they a Christian or not? If they aren't, you know, maybe ask, well, what kind of background do you have? They kind out if they're agnostic or atheist or, or in a different religious group beyond those. They should be willing to answer those sorts of questions if they are a, a competent therapist. And if the if the client thinks, I'm just not feeling real comfortable vibes from this particular counselor, you don't have to go back. You can go find another counselor who you could ask the same questions until you do find somebody who seems to have a respectful response, one that that values your Christian beliefs and doesn't think that Christian beliefs are tantamount to mental illness in and of themselves. So. Yeah, that rapport is something that's so crucial. I, th- I I think at least from my personal experience to having to be able to build that relationship with a counselor, to be able to trust them, mm-hmm. that you'll be able to tell them things and, and they will understand that from your perspective and be able to, to counsel you through that without fearing that you're going to be hearing things and receiving advice that is going to be detrimental to your to your faith life. Why is it important then why is it beneficial for a therapist to understand where you're coming from, from your own religious background, in order for them to, to provide care for you? Well, there's been a whole body of research evidence that's shown for, for decades that if the client and the counselor have fairly similar or at least, let's say, fairly similar values or at least are valuing some of the same goals towards therapy— then the therapy just is better for the for the counselee for the client. When the therapist and the client are drastically different from one another, and again, that's just nobody's fault per se, but just the the reality. The the, the counselors get a wide variety of clients, so they will hopefully mesh with seventy five or eighty percent of the clients that they receive that come into their office, but. Nobody, no, no counselor that I know expects to mesh with 100% of the people that walk into his or her office. I, I kind of joke with students that, you know, hey, somebody walks into my office as a, when I'm working as a counselor and I, I just happen to remind them of their crazy Uncle Frank. You know, it's not my fault that I look like crazy Uncle Frank, but they, they just grew up with somebody who happened to look like me or his voice sounds like mine or has some mannerisms that are similar to mine. And he was their crazy Uncle Frank, and they just can't imagine being counseled by crazy Uncle Frank. Well, again, that's not my fault. That's not their fault. It's not even crazy Uncle Frank's fault. It's just one of those realities that, that people don't click with everybody. But hopefully, counselors do click with 75 or 80 or 85 percent of the people that walk into their offices, and, and then they can do good mental health work, good counseling work, helping them to 
figure out what they're anxious about, what they're depressed about, what they're struggling with, and help them develop some capacity to heal and for Christians to be comforted in the gospel, to know that Christ is with them every day of their lives and that he forgives them, he renews them, he puts them in a place of honor because of his cross and resurrection, not because of anything they've done, but because of who he is and what he has done for them. And if they can receive both that Christian side and a helpful horizontal aspects of, of that help, it's just very beneficial. So, And again, I, I often say, too, it, it depends upon the problem that the the client is having on whether they need to see somebody who's really another Christian. If they're, if they're seeing a counselor because they have ADHD, you know, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, it might be more important that they find somebody who specializes in ADHD issues from a secular perspective than it is to find a counselor who's only sort of qualified to do ADHD things, but he's a Christian or she's a Christian. You know, that's one area where it wouldn't make that much of a difference. But when it comes to areas that impinge upon our spiritual lives about, you know, is something sinful or not sinful, just morally wrong, morally upright, how does it affect my my marriage to my spouse, which should be for a lifetime? Too many non-Christian counselors would probably tell a married couple that seem to be fighting all the time, well, you just have irreconcilable differences. We think you should go ahead and get divorced. You know, a Christian pastor doesn't want to refer to a counselor that will, in the first two or three sessions, tell their their parishioner to go ahead and get divorced, at least not in in our evangelical LCMS circles. So, so yeah, it just it depends upon the issue that the person has. If it if it's an issue that that brings up by its very nature a number of of spiritual or biblical or theological issues, then probably want to find another Christian to be helped. But if it's not something like ADHD or Tourette's or maybe even schizophrenia or something, it might not be as important to have that that religious theological mesh. So, You mentioned earlier that generally when a client and a therapist have shared values, um, especially if it, you know, talking about religious views or those shared values, that they're more likely to have beneficial outcomes from the <laughs> therapy. You also mentioned if it's not a good match, it's okay to have that one session and then go on to sure. to you know to to seek another therapist. Some might feel like maybe because of insurance reasons or however their their care is being paid for or provided for them that they might feel like, man, I've only got this one shot. This is the only counselor. Or this is the only therapist that I can go to. Um, what would you say to that to someone who maybe feels stuck? Well, I'd say. One of the upsides to COVID, and there were lots of downsides to COVID, but one of the upsides to COVID is that it did make mental health counselors more readily available to people, even if it's in an online sort of situation. So, you know, they're not stuck. Even if they're in a small rural town in some state, they may not necessarily be stuck with just that one counselor option, uh, the one counselor that they have in the community mental health center of their community that happens to come to their town once a week or, or something. Now then, post-COVID, they can go see another counselor in their state. They, they 
probably will find it difficult to use insurance if they're crossing state lines because licensures and stuff is, is at work there. But uh, they can hopefully find somebody within their state, and that's where their pastor may be helpful to ask other pastors in other parts of the state, you know, who are some of the Christian counselors around your geographic area that's 150 miles away from our geographic area, and and does that counselor in your geographic area actually see people online? Now, again, I would prefer, I personally prefer to, to see people face-to-face in person, but I still think that that online counseling is nearly as effective as face-to-face counseling. I know some counselors, including one Christian counselor I'm thinking of in in Ohio, who only sees people online. He doesn't have a, a, a regular office where he meets people. He only does, well, kind of what you and I are doing online here right now. And he he likes that kind of work. It's easier for him to manage manage his workspace and so forth to do all of his counseling online. And his clients like to do it online, too, he reports to me. So, and I think he's he's not alone on that, that some clients think, oh, yeah, I don't even have to leave my house. I don't have to drive 15 or 20 miles to get to my counselor. I can see him right now from my office or bedroom or, or wherever we're talking to him in. So, again, just a number of options that were not available to us readily five or ten years ago that people do have. And I'd say search around your entire state then until you find somebody that you would feel comfortable with in doing online counseling, if not face-to-face counseling. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. Today we're talking with the Reverend Dr. Richard Mars, Professor of Practical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis, helping us understand the importance of having shared values with your therapist and helping your therapist understand your Lutheran theology and worldview. We'll continue the conversation on the Coffee Hour in just a moment. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live uncommon. Welcome back to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Richard Mars, Professor of Practical Theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. Dr. Mars, you've provided some really helpful insights for us in understanding therapy and the the benefits of having a therapist who has shared values, particularly if you have a therapist who who is a Christian, depending on the, the topic or the reason for which, you know, visiting a therapist, but also the times when it, it it's not really necessary or not as important as maybe other qualifications of that therapist for a, a specialty, like you mentioned, ADHD or something like that, mm-hmm. that, that they have valuable uh, experience and credentials in that area of specialization. When it comes to helping our therapist understand our religious beliefs, our worldview, what it means to us to be a Lutheran and what our beliefs and convictions are. From a therapist 
What do you think it would be helpful to know about one's religious beliefs? If what would you want to know about a client and their religious beliefs if if they were coming to visit you? You know, a little story I actually do put in my book, but I say it here again. When I was in my clinical training, because I'm a, not just a pastor, I'm also a, a licensed psychologist. I was a licensed psychologist and counselor before I became a, a, an LCMS pastor. But uh, I was in a uh, clinical setting during my internship when a uh, one of my supervisors had told me that she was uncomfortable with my, my Christian beliefs and she was going to be watching me very closely that I didn't use my Christian beliefs in some way that she thought would be harmful to clients. I think she was worried that I was going to, you know, be be guilt-provoking for maybe homosexual clients or for women who had had abortions or something like that. And I tried to assure her that I was going to work within the field. I was in a secular agency for, for that year as, a, as an intern. So I assured her I was going to be trying to stay within the fields of the, of the secular profession. And so she took about six months to where she finally started, I think, trusting my, my counseling judgments, my clinical judgments. And we happened to have a staff meeting one, one week, and one of the other staff brought up that he had a fundamentalist Christian client who just seemed to be burdened with guilt, shame, just and everything that this counselor tried to do to help relieve the the, the client of this guilt just didn't seem to be working. It just uh, The person would go back to, well, that's what my pastor said on Sunday. It's what the Bible says, and I'm guilty for this, and I've done this wrong. And, and I'm listening to this. And then two or three other counselors in our staff, because it was about 15 staff, two or three other counselors said, you know, I've got a client just like that. I don't, I've been trying to figure out what to do. I don't know what to do with them either. And the clinical director, my supervisor, just turned to me and said, well, Rick, you're a Christian. What would you suggest that we do? I went, okay. Now, again, it sounds like an easy thing. I knew that my internship was in the crosshairs right then. If I said the right thing and she liked it, then I was going to pass internship. If I said the wrong thing and she didn't, this woman literally had the, the capacity to fail me in my internship, and I would never become a Ph.D.-level psychologist, or it would be very difficult and take years longer to, to do that if I, if I was successful. So I gulped and went, well, here's some of the things that I do. I, I look at the Christian client and say, well, you know, I ask them some leading questions like, well, I thought that Christianity was more about Jesus forgiving you for your sins than it was about you having to do all the right things. I thought it was more about God's love and not you being perfect all the time. Or I might even use a Bible verse like, you know, John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And then I stopped and waited to see what the clinical director said. And the clinical director just said, well, that all sounds fine to me. I don't have any other suggestions. Why don't you guys try some of that? And I took a deep breath, oh, good, I'm going to probably pass my internship after all. So I kind of forgot about that. But two weeks later, we went back to another staff meeting, and the clinical director had it in her notes. So she went back to those three counselors that said they'd had these clients. And they said, how's it going? Did you try some of the suggestions that Rick suggested? And is that helping? And all three of these counselors went, yes, we did. And it, it 
does seem to be helping. Our our clients actually looked at us and said things like, well, you're right. Thank you. The Christian faith is more about about Jesus forgiving me for my sins. It's not about me doing the right things all the time. I'd forgotten that for a little bit. Thank you for reminding me of my of my Christian faith and that Jesus forgives me. It was just such a, a startling say, situation for me because I realized I had taught several of them non-Christian counselors to share the gospel in this simple, simplistic little way of just asking some leading questions. And it was helping Christian, they said fundamentalist clients that they had who weren't probably hearing the gospel very often in their own churches on Sunday mornings because their own pastors were perhaps preaching hellfire and brimstone instead of the gospel of Jesus and his love and forgiveness for us. But here were non-Christian counselors sharing the gospel with Christian clients, and they were being edified by that. So it was just another example that God's word does not return to him void, Isaiah 55. It works faith when and where the Holy Spirit wills it. And so, you know, we can even teach this to non-Christians who happen to be counselors. And I'm just really glad that that particular event, even though it was very stressful for me at the time 30 years ago, it's still one that I go back to and realize that, yes, we as Christians can find agreement with other counselors and share them, just like Christians or any sort of different cultural group. You know, there's different ways that African-American therapists might might help African-American clients or Asian therapists might help Asian clients or help other non-Asian counselors to serve Asian clients better. In the same way, the culturally different aspects of being a Christian can be helped if if Christian or non-Christian counselors can actually then find ways to subtly share the gospel with people who are burdened by sin, guilt, shame, aloneness, whatever sort of struggle it is that they they might be having at the time. So. On the flip side, from a client perspective, if I'm if I'm going to a new therapist, what would it be useful for me to share with a therapist to help them understand where I'm coming from and, and my, my worldview, my beliefs, my Lutheran faith? What's helpful in that realm? Yeah, I mean, probably just kind of start the maybe catechistic, catechism sort of thinking, just to say, I believe Jesus is both God and man. He saved me from my sins. He came to earth and died on the cross. I mean, it sounds kind of weird to maybe think you'd be saying that with your with your counselor in the, in the first session, but just to let them know that that was really important to you and that your identity, I mean, I do hope Christians see their identity first and foremost as their Christian identity, their baptized identity, that that's what makes them whole and then they deal with all these other issues of tribulation and suffering and struggles that we go through in this in this sinful world, partly because of our own mistakes and partly because of other people's mistakes or, or accidents that happen in life, car accidents or fires or whatever that might cause us anxiety or, or grief. But to just share who Jesus is for you and that that's a very important aspect of, of your life and that you see it, your Christian faith as being a healthy thing for you because you do believe that Jesus forgives you and renews you. Try to make it 
make them realize. Because, again, again, a lot of secular therapists are going to be influenced by those articles they read in grad school or experiences they've had personally with fundamentalist Christian clients. And, again, some of the some of the, the counselors that I'm thinking about right now that push back against the Christian faith do so because they had negative experiences in their own childhood. You know, one friend of mine talks about growing up in a very fundamentalist home, and so that was why he didn't continue to be a Christian when he was an, an adult. Or the, the clinical director I just spoke of, she considered herself a recovering Catholic because mm-hmm. she had grown up in a Catholic home that she thought was repressive and not forgiveness-oriented, but she liked apparently hearing forgiveness out of my mouth when I talked about it in a in a staff meeting. So, so yeah, that's at least, I think, a starting point is to let let the counselor know I am a Christian. My Christianity is very important to me. I believe Jesus is who he said he is. And I'd be happy to talk about that more if you, if you have questions about it. I mean, I, I, I encourage Christian counselors to be open to praying with their, with their counselees as well. Although they have to, if they're a Christian counselor, professional counselor, with a license and so forth, they need to ask permission, you know, do you want to pray about this issue at the, at the end of our session or not? And some, some Christians don't want to, but most Christians do want to put it back into God's hands and know that they've shared their burdens with another fellow Christian and that that fellow Christian is also praying for them in some level, and that's all good stuff. You've written a book, Making Christian Counseling More Christ-Centered. How might this be helpful in this area as well? I'm talking about helping our, our therapists understand our Lutheran theology and worldview. Yeah, I, I wrote the book not originally for clients, but I've found a number of people that have said, in fact, a couple of people that have reviewed my book on Amazon said very positive things. I wrote it primarily for Christian counselors and for and especially non-Lutheran Christian counselors who don't understand Luther's soul care theology, but also wrote it for Lutheran pastors to to lend to Christian counselors that they might be able to read through it and say, oh, I, I didn't know anything about Luther's theology. I didn't realize that it was a soul care-oriented theology. I mean, it's what drove Luther to the to the Reformation, was caring for souls and knowing that there were people in in his locale that were being sold a bill of goods, literally, to to receive their forgiveness. So, but yeah, I've found a number of people that said, yeah, my my book has been helpful. The first half of the book is kind of here's Luther's soul care theology, as explained from a Christian psychologist and pastoral perspective, and then the second half of the book is here are some counseling techniques that flow out of that, that do things like properly distinguish law and gospel, or take the theology of the cross seriously, or realize that we are created beings who who need our creator, that take simul justus et peccator, simultaneously saint and sinner, seriously, and that, and that the Word of God is taken seriously in that. So, uh, so yeah, I, if, if they felt strongly about their Lutheran Christian faith, just take a copy of my book to their counselor and say, if you're open to it, I'd love to have you read this. And then if you have questions about it, you know, talk to me or talk to my pastor about it, which is another probably important thing to 
we're probably running out of time. Tell me if I should stop talking. I'll just, <laughs> I'll just keep on talking. But, but yeah, having clients, if they're willing, if they have a good relationship with their pastor, having them sign a release form so that their counselor can talk to their pastor and their pastor can talk to their counselor, because hopefully those two working together can benefit each other in caring for the soul of of this person. And I, again, I do see counseling as just a 20th century, 21st century counseling as a continuation of the care of souls that the church has been doing for 2,000 years now. It's just a different level of new scientific findings, new understanding about the counseling process that can, I hope, make it even better than what people were, were receiving in soul care a century ago when we we didn't know nearly as much about schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or anxiety disorders or alcoholism. We just have learned so many things in a horizontal way, in a first article creation way about those things that now then we can integrate in our, our Christian theology, our Christian faith in helpful ways with those first article things and I hope be be better able to help people. John Townsend, who many people know as the author of the book Boundaries, I heard him say once a few years ago at a conference that this is a great time to be a Christian counselor because we're just learning so many things and just strengthening the Christian counseling field in so many important ways. And there are probably 100,000 Christian counselors out there in the United States, so readily available at least at least by online processes, if not in your within 15 or 20 miles of your geographic locale. Our guest today, the Reverend Dr. Richard Mars, professor of practical theology at Concordia Seminary in St. Louis and author of Making Christian Counseling More Christ-Centered. Dr. Mars, thanks so much for spending some time with us, providing some great insights during Mental Health Awareness Month. Thank you very much for having me. It's my pleasure. You've been listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support The Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you. Anytime. Anywhere. Anywhere.